And welcome back, sports fans. It's another episode of Coach Hess's Sports Corner. I am your host, Coach Donnie Hess, here back with my faithful co-host who is still riding off a high for one of our local soccer teams, has just won a national championship, sir. Please explain this experience and how excited are you, our lovely Des Moines Menace, our national champions. Donnie, like like you said, I, I'm I'm still coming down. I, I might not be down for a couple more weeks, but like you said, the USL League Two final, which is the fourth division of soccer here in the United States, just wrapped up its season. And our hometown team, the Des Moines Menace, won the national championship. It was an incredible playoff series. We won five games in the playoffs, five wins. It was nail-biting all the way through, but we got it done in the end and we won. And we got to celebrate with the players. We the fans even got to hold the trophy a little bit, take pictures with the players and hold the trophy and all that and celebrate with the players afterwards. It was just such an incredible night. And they, they actually just announced the attendance for that match as 7,342, which for a fourth division team in the United States is incredible. And it happens to be the largest crowd to ever watch a soccer match in the state of Iowa. So, yeah, Donnie, I was a part of history on Saturday night, and it was absolutely incredible, and I, I can't believe that it happened. It just shows you the, the incredible the incredible high that this man is coming off of, and that wasn't the only thing that came off of, as we were also successful in getting another big W against Kansas City with our footy team as well. So it was just an incredible day of sport for you, sir, but I think – there's some more sport that we need to talk about. Let's jump right into our game plan. It's going to be a shorter game plan, but we'll have a lot to discuss. We're going to talk football. We'll talk the semifinals and finals of the Gold Cup. We have a Gold Cup champion, and let's safe to say the two gentlemen talking on this podcast are very happy with the outcome of that particular tournament. We talk Champions League football. The next round has its first match day through. Let's we'll discuss how some of the results went up and who is looking good to move on in the Champions League. We talk MLS round 16 is over. We need to discuss some more on how some of these how some of these results have turned out. And then we move on from there down to the footy and an incredibly crazy round of football of football down in Australia as we go through round 20. It's highs, it's lows, it's insane Saturday and how that went. And, it, and, and from there and through our tips, and as always, we end our episodes with Brad's crazy stat of the week, sir. I'm so excited. Let's jump into it. Gold Cup semifinal and finals are done. We have a champion. Let's not discuss the champion until we go through it. Let's go through the two semifinal matches. Mexico v. Canada. Mexico finds a way to get it done in that game. Did you get a chance to watch this game? Yeah, this is a really crazy game, and it, it kind of went back and forth a little bit, and Mexico couldn't really put away Canada, I think, the way that a lot of us really thought that they would. I mean, they shared a good, pos a good chunk of possession. They were able to get more shots off, but they did squeak it out in the end. They win 2-1. A late goal wins it for Mexico in the 99th minute with Hector Herrera scoring in a game that ended up going past 100 minutes of regular time, which is just absolutely insane. And for Canada, it's, it's one that they're going to be pretty disappointed in, I think because of the fact that even though they didn't have a lot of their superstars like Alfonso Davies, Jonathan David, Kyle Laren, Io Akinola, and, and more, they were able to get this far and they were able to push one of the powers in the region in Mexico to the brink. And I think that for them, it's a tough one to swallow, but it's a very good experience for this Canadian national team heading into world cup qualifying. Yeah, I agree. This, this is, this was just a tough physical game in Mexico and Canada. I, I'm, I'm happy the Canadians got as far as they did. I am sad that they didn't get a chance to knock off Mexico. And then, in prototypical fashion, in this entire knockout stage, United States won their opponent nil. They as they beat Qatar one nil. Another late winner for the United States. It's like a a record playing playing over and over and over again. The way this U.S. team has played in this knockout stage that will sound even funnier when we go to the championship game. Do we want to talk about it or do we want to look, talk about this Qatar game or do we want to jump to the title game? 
Uh, I'll go ahead and throw some thoughts in on the guitar game. I mean, this is a really, uh, it, it was a tense match. I mean, especially as a United States fan, but the two substitutes in Zardas and Joaquini combining for the winning goal and they left it late. They really left it late. They allowed Qatar to really give themselves a decent shot at winning the game. And they kept themselves in with a shout and they looked really impressive. They were actually able to get off more shots than the United States by 18 to six. They were actually able to outshoot 18 to six, even though they were only able to put two on target. And it really showed that the Qatar national team has really come a long way in the last couple of years. And they're getting themselves ready to host the world cup next winter. And it's going to be really interesting seeing where Qatar goes from here. Yeah, for sure. This is just another tough, gritty game. The way the U.S. has been playing, they just kind of have to keep everything solid in the back and get that clean sheet and just find a way to score one late. So so we're done with the semifinals. We jump to the finals. And, sir, man, what a night it was on August 1st. Gold Cup final game and the U.S. find a way to get it done in a hostile crowd in Vegas. Even though it was in the States, you could definitely tell Mexico was the home team for this game. But the U.S. pull it out late, a late winner, 1-0. The U.S. are Gold Cup champions. How happy are you with this result? Oh, by the end of the night, I was completely I, I was in, I was almost in tears. My voice was completely gone from the night before already. And I got two cups in two days with the menace winning and then the U S winning. So by the end of the night, I could barely talk, but this is an incredible performance. It was a gutsy performance by this U S team. And it was a lineup selection by Burhalter that might've been a, might've intrigued some because he decided to go for Eric Williamson in the midfield And I think that was really to put a little bit more of a physical presence to counter Mexico's tough style of play. And, and lo and behold, it ends up paying off because Williamson, even though he took a knock early on was able to get through the game and he really fought tooth and nail while he was in there. And then the introduction of Joaquini and Busio in the 87th minute, they really helped to provide a bit of a creative spark going into extra time And it's going to be a game of what ifs for Mexico. They had plenty of chances to be able to put the USA away and get themselves onto the board, but a combination of just flat out misses and a great performance by Matt Turner in goal. It it just proved to be a perfect storm for Mexico. And I got to say about Matt Turner, he has put himself into firm contention to be the full-time number one for the U S men's national team. And that is including over Zach Steffen because we're seeing Matt Turner get regular minutes with New England Revolution in MLS. Zach Steffen's not going to get that on a regular basis with Manchester City. And if Matt Turner continues to put up numbers like he's putting up with New England, and if he continues to get opportunities and push his way into the picture with the U.S. men's national team, Steffen might find himself losing out that number one spot because Matt Turner is playing fantastic right now, and he was one of the main reasons why the U.S. was able to beat Mexico in Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. A couple of his saves really kept the U.S. in this game. But then the, the thing that I found fascinating was the game winner was scored by a player who played under Tata Mortino at Atlanta before he left to take the Mexico job. And the fact that he never played him, it was this almost this amazing ironic story that the guy that gets the winner for the u.s beating his former coach who didn't play him in atlanta uh, it was absolutely incredible story well and i'm going to give credit to miles robinson for not going over and celebrating in front of tata purposely as a as been a bit of revenge for that reason but miles robinson has just been such a really great player for greg berhalter and for atlanta in mls i mean he has proven himself And he's put himself kind of like Matt Turner into contention for a starting role. And this is really going to give Burhalter a bit of a selection headache when it comes to world cup qualifying, because we're going to now see what balance of European players and domestic players he's going to bring in for world cup qualifying. And you know what, Donnie, it starts up in September and sooner or later, we're going to be talking about CONCACAF world cup qualifying on this podcast, because we're going to get into the octagonal and boy, is it going to get hectic quickly 
Yeah, and it's going to be tough. It's not an easy, not an easy their chance for qualification. It, it, and with it being compressed a little bit due to some of the COVID issues, I'm really, really interested to see how this goes because with travel potentially sometimes being affected, this Gold Cup was was not a bad thing for Coach Burhalter because now he gets to see how his depth is behind his superstars. Well, and then that's the thing is that this U.S. Men's National Team for this tournament wasn't necessarily thought of as the A team. I mean, a lot of us mm-hmm. thought of the A team as a lot of the European based guys. This is a more domestic squad, and they still were able to go in and beat a Mexican A team who themselves are going to ha- be having a lot of questions. And Tata Martino, he's going to be on the hot seat a couple of games into World Cup qualifying. If he if he drops points in those first couple of World Cup qualifiers, you're you're not going to see him finish the cycle out. You will mm-hmm. see him gone because the Mexican Federation has no sympathy for coaches that aren't able to win, and he will get the boot very quickly if he can't put up results in the first couple of qualifiers. Yes, they're they're, they're very little patience with coaches. I think sometimes is is kind of one of the detriments of taking this job because I think they believe that they are far farther up in the world rankings than they are. And unfortunately that can be an absolute coach killer there, but congratulations to team, to team USA again, an absolutely magnificent, magnificent win. And it does, I think it boosters even the European based players. I think it boosts them going into co- to qualifying because they know that they've got backups that are there that can play in case they can't get back over. So nothing but a great gold cup there. Usually I'm not always high on the gold cup. I think it really only gets good in the semifinals if the U S and Mexico get there, but this was, I think this was a good tournament when it came to, we learned some guys that we think can step up come September, come September, come world cup qualifying. I cannot wait. We jump from, International football here in the States to domestic football is starting to slowly heat up. We go to the Champions League round three of qualifying for the Champions League. The first leg is over for these. And some of these matchups have some interesting results. I have to say it. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to brag here a little bit, but it's always interesting to see Rangers go down as they've lose to Sweden's Malmo 2-1 this morning. And, um, just looking at some of these results, sir, are, are there any that surprise you? Are there any matchups that you're going, I'm very intrigued for the second leg after the first result? Well, I'll tell you what, you as a Celtic fan will probably like seeing Michelin get a little bit of comeuppance. They lose 3-0 on the road to PSV Eindhoven. Uh, a couple of other ones that were interesting were Cluj and Young Boys going 1-1 out in Romania and Genk home of Mark McKenzie, former Philadelphia Union U.S. Men's National Team player. He was an unused substitute for Genk. They lost 2-1 at home to Shakhtar Donetsk. Maybe they could have used him. I don't know. Maybe I'm just a biased USMNT fan. Who knows? Ferenc Varos, 2-0 win over Slavia Praha. Dinamo Zagreb, 1-1 draw against Legia Warsaw. And Spartak Moscow lose at home to Benfica, 2-0. So we're going to have a couple of interesting second legs coming up, and those are going to be next week on Tuesday. And it'll be very interesting to see which teams go through and what teams are going to be playing in the group stage. Yeah, so many 1-1 draws. Another one that I'm going to keep an eye on for that second stage is Olympiakos and the Bulgarian champion Ludogorets. That's that's another interesting one. That, that's that's going to be quite quite the interesting matchup there at that second game in, Bulga- in Bulgaria. That'll be absolutely classic. Let's, let's just go to it. We got their second matchups. Um, are there any right now that you're looking at that they are besides PSV being up three nil on Michiland, which as a Celtic supporter, I'm not so much happy about because then that means we would have gotten destroyed if we would have moved on. So I don't know if I should be happy that they beat us or, or angry because I think Celtic may have been able to play that one a little bit better, but just, just looking at it besides that matchups. I mean, are there any that you're like, you, you're pretty con- you're pretty confident, you know, who's going to be moving on to the knockout and last stage of the qualifications for Champions League? I think that if I was a betting man, I would likely go with the teams that were able to pull off pretty convincing wins in leg one. So I would look at Monaco, who won 2-0 over Sparta Praha, look at Shakhtar, who won 2-1 over Genk, and then Benfica over Spartak 2-0. I, if I was a betting man, I would go with those three getting through to the group stage. And two of those are two of those were on the road. Monica, both Monaco and Benfica going to going to their opponents house and being able to get out of there with a big win two two goals. Yes. We don't have the road goal advantage anymore, but that, that is definitely a massive advantage moving on. I'm super excited. 
I'm interested to see how these second, some of these second legs go. Legia Warsaw, Dynamo Zagreb, one one. That'll be fascinating going to Poland, and, and Rangers coming going home. To, to play Malmo, it'll be really interesting to see, can they get two goals and hold a clean sheet and find themselves a way to move on? So I'm, I'm very intrigued by that. We will, we will keep an eye on that and discuss more of that next week, because by then hopefully we'll have some knockout matches, at least the first rounds for those taken care of. Uh, is there anything else domestically, or do we want to save that? Cause I know in a couple of weeks, really quick in, in, in next week, we will be doing some previews, for domestic football in leagues. England starts on the 14th. That is a week from Saturday. So next week, keep an eye out, maybe a little bit of a longer episode as we start discussing the domestic leagues getting started. England, France, Italy, Spain, and Germany are all getting ready to get started. Who are some of the teams we are looking out for? Who do we think is going to be hosting, hanging up, hoisting, if I could speak today, hoisting their cup at the end of the season. And who are some of the people we're really looking out for as being spoilers potentially in their league. So next week we will do that. Let's jump to domestic football here to the MLS round 16 is done, sir. And really quickly, what are your kind of your thoughts on this latest round of MLS? Well, we had a couple of rivalry matchups that were really cool to watch. Orlando 3-2 win over Atlanta United, who themselves are looking like a bit of a struggle right now. New England goes to Red Bull Arena and gets a 3-2 win over New York Red Bulls. I, I had tickets to go see Sporting and FC Dallas play, but the menace took precedence over that. And yeah. thankfully they did because Sporting dropped points at home, losing 2-1 to FC Dallas, unable to leapfrog Seattle for the top spot in the Western conference and atop the supporter shield race, a late equalizer for Vancouver gets a two, two draw against the loons of Minnesota United, Colorado gets a one nil win on the road at Austin FC. And then on Sunday, we had Philadelphia and Chicago drawing at one, one and Toronto and Nashville drawing one, one. So those are a couple of interesting matches. And then we're going to have some midweek games today. Uh, we're going to have some really interesting ones with Philadelphia hosting Toronto FC Montreal hosting Atlanta United, Sporting Kansas City going on the road to take on LAFC at the always hostile Bank of California Stadium. And Portland Timbers are going to be hosting the San Jose Earthquakes tonight is going to be a very interesting game. And then one more other thing that we've got coming up midweek next week that we'll be able to talk about tonight and next week as we get into the results is going to be the League's Cup which is effectively the Europa League of this continent. So it's going to be interesting to watch. Sporting Kansas City lead us off in the League's Cup. They get Club Lyon at home. Seattle Sounders then follow that up against Tigres. NYCFC on Wednesday will play against Pumas. And Monterrey will play Cruz Azul in the – or sorry, that's going to be in the Champions League. So we're going to get a mixture of both the League's Cup and the Champions League. The fourth League's Cup match will be Orlando versus Santos Laguna. And then we'll get into the second legs or the second matchups in the Champions League. We'll talk about that a little bit more next week as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just just some interesting results there. And did I see right? San Jose Earthquakes went into Seattle and got a one nil win. Wow, that's that's an impressive win by the Earthquakes there. And interesting to see DC United gets two red cards against Cincinnati FC in a nil nil draw. Man, that's that's impressive to be able to still get a nil nil draw after getting. Two red cards on that one. Just an, another interesting bout of matchups, man. That Orlando City Inter Miami game, I think, is going to be interesting. And, and do you think you're going to be able to stay up late to watch this LAFC Sporting Kansas City game later on tonight? Oh, I know you can see me, Donnie. I know our viewers, our listeners won't be able to see, but I'm, I'm decked out. I've got my prime blue kit on, I've got my hat on. So I will definitely be staying up late to watch the boys hopefully get three points off of LAFC tonight. It'll be a late, it'll be a late night, but it'll be a fun one if they can pull that one off. I think that will do it for our MLS, for our MLS talk. Just the season just continues to get more and more entertaining, but we got to do it. We got to jump down to Australia because an absolutely exhilarating week of footy. Do we want to discuss the craziness before we get into the games or do we want to address it as we get to when they would have been played? Oh, let's get let's get straight into the craziness, Donnie. 
All right. Do we want to start off with the with the massive news with coaching, or do we want to start off with the massive craziness that was COVID chaos this last weekend? Let's let's do the coaching one first because this is this one was really a bit of an eye opener for me. This this one this one surprised me when it came out. It, I think it was it was a Tuesday or Wednesday during the week that the 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 coach of the Hawthorne Hawks, Alistair Clarkson, it, it was it was press released in in his and a um and a press uh, press meeting was come on together to, to announce Alistair Clarkson will be finishing up this season and then will be allowed to leave the club. His last season will be paid out to him. So Alistair Clarkson and the Hawthorne Hawks will be parting ways at the end of the season. I mean, this totally threw my Twitter timeline for a loop because for probably 45 minutes, every other tweet I had was talking about Alistair Clarkson being let go. Yeah, I mean, this kind of just sums up Hawthorne's season all in one unfortunate little happen of circumstance. And it's really unfortunate for Clarko because he is a true legend of footy. And he has written, he, he's put himself down in the immortal category, leading a three-peat for the Hawks through 2013 to 15, being a part of another premiership in 2008. I mean, the, the, the accomplishments that he has been able to have throughout his career at the Hawks has been incredible. And then, unfortunately, the last couple of years has just really gotten away from him and the the board at Hawthorne. It's been really unfortunate because it's one of those things that it could have been avoided and it really could have gone a different way had things not happened in this way or that way or whatever. But I think regardless of the fact, I think it's, it's nice that they're going to at least at the very, very least allow him to finish off this season because I think that that's what he deserves. But it's really sad to see that not only can they not get through the succession plan that they originally had laid out, but now that, I mean, is it even confirmed that Mitchell is going to take over for next season? I mean, Mitchell, Mitchell will take over next season. They're just basically, they just ramped up a season earlier now that Mitchell will take over, but the, the pressure on Mitchell is going to be ridiculous. I mean, he is literally stepping in for one of the best coaches of the modern era. It is hard to argue that, I just I feel sorry for Alistair Clarkson because the way he's been treated in this entire saga has been utterly deplorable. Jeff Kennett has literally, I mean, jumped the shark and jumped the shark badly, and he's getting bit in in the ass on this one. And I don't mind it at all because I really, really think he he was sick and tired of Clarkson kind of not following his orders and it come back to bite him so we will definitely have to see on that and the other craziness is is come friday night at least here at about eight o'clock it, it hit everywhere queensland was going into a snap lockdown and three games being held at the gaba and and gold and metricon stadium of the gold coast all were now postponed and were not going to be played at their original time frame Thank God the N- the AFO was able to get those teams out of Queensland quick enough. They were able to shift all three games to Sunday, making for an absolutely sensational five-game Sunday. So we get an absolutely incredible end to the week. So let's jump into it with just an absolutely insane situation. I got to give the AFL credit that they were able to get those teams out and still keep the season going. Yeah, I mean, this is just it, – it, it takes insane to a whole nother level. I mean, one, it's one thing to have to move one or two games or postpone or do this or that. But then when you have to take entire teams, and we're talking six, seven, eight, nine, ten teams at a time, moving them from state to state, having them take all of their players, their staff, their equipment, everything, charter flights – book accommodations, get training facilities in order and be able to do that multiple times over the course of the season. I got to applaud the players for being able to adapt to it. And I've also got to applaud the AFL for being able to make sure that it actually happens and be able to keep, like you said, keep the season going. Mm -hmm. Just absolutely incredible. So the off the field stuff is over. Let's jump on to the on field product. Let's go at first game of the week, Carlton St. Kilda Friday night, and man, did these teams switch jerseys because I was not expecting this result as Carlton wins 112-81, a 31-point win by the Blues. 
and, and don't look now, but the Blues are sniffing a chance to make the finals. Yeah, I mean, this is the king of the inconsistent teams, right? I mean, we've been talking about St. Kilda and Carlton both over the course of the season be going up and then down and then up and then down again. And for Carlton, it was a fantastic night in front of goal, 18 goals from 22 shots. I mean, this is just a fantastic offensive performance from them. And then kind of like their coach, Brent Ratton, said after the game, St. Kilda just doesn't have what it takes right now. And it's sad because it looked like for a second there they were holding out hope for their supporters. But now they're, they're going to be a really tough shout to make the finals now. They, they, they need an incredible amount of help with their absolutely disastrous percentage. But Carlton's isn't much better. So both of these teams really have to win out and get a little bit of help to make the finals. But crazy enough, they're, they're within four points. The way this season has gone, you never know. We move on from there to a game, good team versus not so good team as the Western Bulldogs take down the, the, the mighty or not so mighty Adelaide Crows 105 to 56. The doggies, I think are hitting their stride at just the right time. They're definitely putting the fear into the, into the AFL that this doggies team are hitting their stride right around finals time. Yeah. And their midfield is firing on all cylinders, even with the absence of Adam Trelaw, their offseason acquisition, but they're looking really good. Daniel McRae, Dale Smith, all of those guys up amongst the top four just disposal getters with 32 31 31 and 29 respectively and like you said they, they're really hitting their stride right now and if they keep playing like this i i would not be far-fetched to say they would win the flag yeah it's definitely so hard to argue that especially considering it sounds like trelore could be back here in the next week or so so make that already very good midfield that much better we jump to it too again geelong gets the win but North Melbourne pushes them to the brink. Geelong wins by 20, 62, 42. And again, these pesky roos just will not give up. And I got to applaud Coach Noble because he is making sure this team, though they are nowhere near making finals anytime soon, they are not giving teams a light day. Yeah, I think it was a combination of North Melbourne playing pretty well, relatively speaking, to their to their season. And a mixture of that and Geelong really did not show up at Blundstone on the on the day. I mean, they were they were really not looking good. I mean, they were looking okay moving the ball around from the back line to the midfield, but going from the midfield into the forward line, they really just did not have a great time of doing that. And even when they had success, I mean, they were they were only able to kick 18, eight goals to 14 behinds. So quite frankly. If they'd had a better night in front of goal, they could have really blown this North team out of the water. But North Melbourne hung around, and they really played these cats really tough, and they never let them really out of their sight. They kind of kept it within range pretty much the whole game. So you got to applaud the ruse for that. Yeah, and, and Geelong, I think they're just doing enough to get to get wins. They're, they're, they're racking up the four points. They're making sure that they're there. And so I, I don't know, but I, I got to applaud the Ruse more than I do the cats on this one. The Ruse really are just not giving up. And I absolutely love it. Speaking of a team giving up, unfortunately, the, the non Perth, the non Perth Eagles showed up again, sir. My, my reverse psychology pick worked out. <laughs> I said, I was hoping that Collingwood would win. So I picked West coast on purpose, hoping Collingwood would win. And it worked. The pies ended up winning. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and give a little bit of a shout out to the to the non-Perth Eagles and say, ha, I got it right. And that it's a little bit of payback for all the times that they have wronged me over the course of the season. So I'm going to go with a little <laughs> bit of a happiness uh, over West Coast losing. Like a scorned lover, for sure. Just uh, an absolutely pitiful performance. I feel so bad for Shannon Hearn of the West Coast Eagles. He gets Definitely. his 300th game, first ever West Coast Eagle to get that. And his teammates give an absolutely putrid performance in it. I got to give it Collingwood. Coach Harvey is finding a way to keep this Collingwood team going. I, I appreciate the style of footy now. Uh, Bucks was a great coach, but Bucks was really stifling this ball movement that Collingwood is starting to kind of show now. So I'm very interested to see how this Collingwood team will do because they, can, they along with Hawthorne, along with North Melbourne, could be quite spoilers going into these last three weeks of the season coming up against some teams on – their record we jump from pitiful performance to almost a worse pitiful pitiful performance if this is possible as the melbourne demons this is not a typo win 128 
to 30, a 98 point drubbing. And this is exactly what the competition did not want to see is Melbourne getting their groove going with three games left going to the finals. Yeah, they won by 98 and they should have won by 150. I mean, they had 20 behinds in this game to go with 18 goals. I mean, just imagine that. I mean, just 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 think of this. They they take six of those 20 behinds, convert those to goals. That's 36 more points to the total. That's 164 to 130. That's 134 point win. I mean, they easily could have won this by at least like 120 or 130. I think that Gold Coast is lucky to have not been beaten by at least 100. And it's unfortunate because they had been showing a couple of good good performances over the last couple of weeks. And then, like he said, Melbourne, they needed that type of performance. They needed a dominating performance to be able to remind them of just how good they are and how good they have been playing over the course of the season and heading into the last couple of weeks of the season. That's really big for them. And they're still right in with a chance potentially at a minor premiership. If either the Bulldogs or the cats drop a couple of points here and there. Yeah, we, we did just, just a pitiful performance. And unfortunately now this, this heaps more pressure on Stewie do. And especially now that um, with Alistair Clarkson potentially being up for grabs next year, this definitely makes for some intriguing debate when it comes to who, if Stewie do will stay or if Stewie, if Stewie do does go, can they find a way to get Alistair Clarkson in the head coaching job up at the Gold Coast Suns? We jump from there to, unfortunately, a third pitiful performance, if you really look at it by all manners of metrics, as the Hawthorne Hawks at Tassie take down the mighty Brisbane Lions 92-80. But, sir, this final score was nowhere near indicative of the way this game was going for 95% of it. Yeah, this was a really crazy game, and it just showed that maybe Brisbane might might not be the team that everyone, including myself, thought that they could be. I mean, I I had picked them before the season as a likely contender for the flag, and now this result compiled with the next result that we're going to talk about have them slipping further, further down the ladder. And then for Hawthorne, it's just one of those wins that, it's going to remind everybody of just how good this this Hawthorne team can be and how much of an impact that Clarko can still have on the Hawthorne Hawks. Yeah, and just an incredible performance. But the fact that at one time Brisbane was down 60 points to the Hawthorne Hawks. Wow. Oh, wow. What an incredible – you got to give it a great per comeback. But I think by then Hawthorne had kind of – pulled off the gas so we jumped to it the game that both you and i i i got a test sir is, is your pulse back to normal after this insane game because you and i the swan supporters we got we got we we had some heart palpitations there for a couple of times in this game as sydney swans edge out this in the essendon bombers in an absolutely insane shootout game especially in the second half 109 102 seven point win Oh my gosh, it took a while to come down from the high of this one. You want to know where I was watching this game, Donnie? I was watching this game while having a post-game trophy celebration with the Des Moines Menace players after the national title game. So I I was halfway chatting up with future professional footballers and watching current footy players do it out on the field. And and I got to say, it was an insane game. And it was one that, it this is such a tough result for Essendon, but it's a huge one for Sydney because these are games that champions have to be able to win. You have to be able to take a really close game and, and swing the tide in your favor. And Sydney was able to do that. Callum Mills with a great performance, four goals out of Tom Papley. And it's just a really crazy game. And like you said, my pulse may have gone down, but I'm I'm still trying to come down from my emotional roller coaster that was this past weekend now, now before we move on to the next game I, I i gotta know what your opinion is on this it, it, while you were watching this game did you see the monumental blunder that the Essendon coaching staff pulled in this game with four minutes left running out of rotations and leaving dylan shiel anthony mcdonald tippin woody and archie perkins sitting on the bench with nothing to do but watch yeah, I mean, it, 
I, I would just say if if I was in that position, I would be absolutely fuming. And after the game, I, I would be going up to the coaching staff and and giving them a piece of my mind is what I would be doing because that, that's just one of those things at the elite level you have to take in, into account every single little detail, including your rotations. And it, it's really unfortunate for Essendon because they, they potentially could have, who knows, they could have squeaked out a win if they had been able to have Shield, McDonald, Tipping, Woody, and these, these guys on the field. But for the Swans, it's one of those things where you have Coach Longmire that you know that he's not going to end up getting himself into, into that type of a position. And that's one of those things where it just – where experience comes into, into play in terms of coaching and being able to make sure that you have the right personnel on the field at the right time and making sure that you have your best team out there at all times. Yeah. And, and I'm not saying that this cost Essendon the game, but this definitely did not. This exacerbated a few issues that Essendon already had in this game, but all, all respect to Essendon, what a heck of heck of a performance. This was absolutely incredible. I wish there might've been a little bit more defense, but maybe that's just the coach at me talking a little bit. So we move on from there. We go from that absolutely exhilarating shootout, 109, 102 to sloppy, physical, tough, kind of ugly football as the Frio Dockers pull out a massive win over the Richmond Tigers, 55, 51, a four point win. And the Dockers, sir, the Dockers are in eighth place with three games to go. Yeah. Who would have thought this before the season? I know, I know that I sure wouldn't have, and I know that you, you were picking them before the season started as your potential, as your potential finals shock. And so I'm going to tip my cap to you on that one. But it's just one of those things where continuously Richmond have underperformed and they have cost themselves points at the end of the game. And it's crazy how last week I was I was saying that if you're a betting man, bet on Richmond to make the finals based on their on their run in 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 the last couple of games. And Frio goes and puts in a remarkable performance. Brayshaw with 39 disposals out of the middle, a great performance for him. And this is without Nat Fife and, and Michael Walters too. You have to take that into account without Fife, without Dusty for Richmond, that it was Frio who was able to overcome their injuries a little bit better than Richmond was. Yeah, that's just an incredible, incredible game. And the fact that Frio has the, the intestinal fortitude to, to fire fire back and, and pull the lead out late in the fourth quarter and get the win, absolutely incredible. We jumped to it. Last game of the round, GWS again falls just a tiny bit short in a tough game against the Port Adelaide Power at Marvel Stadium. Power 100, Giants 73, a 27-point win, and the Power with the loss by Brisbane, is now in the top four. I mean, should the top four be a little concerned that this Port Adelaide power team is getting healthy and they're starting to play better footy at just the right time? Well, if it stays the way it is right now in the ladder, you would get the Western Bulldogs playing Port in a qualifying final and Geelong and Melbourne playing in the other one. And this would prove to be a really interesting matchup between the dogs and the power. And I, I think that the power would be a bit of a shout here to be able to win this one, because like you said, I think that they're playing really good footy right now. They're coming together at the right time. And if you get them on the right day, I think that port can beat any team in this league. And I think that is really key for them going forward. And for GWS, like you said, it, it's another lost opportunity because if they had won this game, they would be in eighth over Frio at the moment. And it's going to be really interesting seeing whether or not the GWS Giants can bounce back and give Frio a run heading into the last couple of weeks. Yeah, it's going to be absolutely crazy with these next couple of weeks. Moving on, sir. So we jump from that. Let's jump to our tipping since we already kind of discussed all of the games, all of all of the kind of the newsworthy things that have that have happened this week. So let's jump in to our tipping first game of the round, an absolutely incredible one. I'm I'm looking forward to it. Geelong v Giants, GMHBA Stadium down in Geelong. Who you got in this one? Geelong didn't play a convincing game against North Melbourne and Tasmania, and I think it's going to be a really welcome sight for them to be playing at Cardinia Park in this one. And it's going to be also a welcome sight to see a GWS team that came up just a little bit short in a heartbreaking game against Port Adelaide that they probably think they could have won because they were in the lead 
around halftime and heading into the second half. So I think that GWS is not going to be riding enough momentum into this game. I think that Geelong, I don't think they're going to run away with it. I think that's going to be another tough grinded out type of win for them. But I think Geelong will get the win. Yeah, I, I'm with you on this one. I think Geelong wins it, but I agree it's going to be a tough one. I think GWS comes out fire snorting because of the the kind of lackluster performance there at times against Port Adelaide. But I, I think this will be a really good Friday night game. At least I'm hoping a few of these blowouts are hard to watch on Friday nights. We jump to it to what I consider a rather intriguing game for being 12th, 1st, 1st, 15th as Carlton hosts the Gold Coast Suns at Marvel Stadium. And I'm going to tip Carlton on this one, but I'm keeping my eye on this one because Gold Coast is just so darn pesky and they somehow find a way to win games that maybe they're not supposed to, that this is the game. Can Carlton cost them their season if they drop one to the Gold Coast Suns? I'm pulling the plug on this. I'm, I'm actually going to go with Gold Coast in this game because like I was saying earlier, Carlton has been playing very inconsistent, kind of similar to St. Kilda. And we've seen Gold Coast go to Marvel and pull out shocking wins. They did it against Richmond earlier this season. So you know that it's in them. So the question is, can they show up? I think that they're going to do it this time. I think they're going to bounce back from a terrible performance against Melbourne. And I think that Carlton is going to go. I think they're going to go Carltoning again and end up losing a game that's going to end up costing them their season. And I think that Gold Coast is going to pull off a shocker here. A big call, but I absolutely love it. We jump from there to the MCG as the Richmond Tigers host the North Melbourne Rouge. Who do you got in this one, Richmond or North Melbourne? Do you want me to go with two shockers in a row, Donnie? Because I'm oh, on the fence. Oh, please tell me. I got to hear this. Let's do it. Screw it. Let's go. North Melbourne <laughs> pulling off a shocking win at the MCG. I, I, I'm going to go ahead and do it. I, I've, I've been saying that North has been playing a little bit better over the course of the last couple of weeks. They were keeping Geelong tight the entire time in Tasmania. They're playing in Melbourne, so they're playing – they're, they're not playing a quote unquote home match, but they're, they're in their home state. So I think that Richmond's injuries have just ruined their run in over the course of the last couple of weeks. I think that Richmond just isn't showing enough heart right now. So call me crazy, but I'm going gold coast and North Melbourne in the same week because you know what, Donnie chaos. That's why. Well, you're not the only one on that train. I I picked North as well. I I, we I like the way I like the way North is playing. They've played a gritty style of football. I think I think their their midfield has played really really well, and I think Richmond is really really gutted after that loss to Frio. That I think the travel back, and I just I don't know. I'm I'm feeling North in this one, so I'm I'm gonna take the plunge and, and call the upset. So so we'll go with that Join one. Join us. Join I, us. It's beautiful. I, I know. I, I absolutely. I could not 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 do that one. So we go to the big one in in South Australia, the showdown, Adelaide v Port Adelaide. I'm going to tip Port in this one, but these games are always tough. These games are always close. I'm going to keep an eye on the Crows on this one, but I'm going to tip Port. I think Port's just got a little too much. Yeah, I think like, kind of like what we were saying earlier, I think Port's peaking at the right time. I think they're starting to get healthier. They're playing really good footy right now. They had a really good showing against GWS last week where they had to play tough and hard the whole way through. So I'm going to go Port as well. Join you on that one. All right, we jump to it. A game that I love seeing, the Pride game. St. Kilda at Marvel Stadium hosting our beloved Sydney Swans. Do the Swans get six in a row or does St. Kilda – revitalize their chances to make finals. The Swans need to be careful here because this is a serious trap game playing in Melbourne against St. Kilda, who themselves have, they've shown flashes. They've also shown terrible points. So they cannot underestimate the St. Kilda team. They have to fight really hard in this game. They have to be very aware of the potential consequence of losing at this stage of the season in a game that they really need to win. So I'm going to go with Sydney in this one. I think that they have enough. I think that they're going to be able to get it done now that Mills is back in the team. I mean, we saw his impact against Essendon. I mean, he was just an absolute flyer in midfield for Sydney. So with his addition, with Buddy still on his quest for a thousand, Papley playing well, I'm going to go Sydney in this one, but it's a big time trap game and they have to be focused. I'm I'm completely with you. I'm, I'm tipping Sydney in this one, but St. Kilda is just, 
darn pesky and they get Rowan Marshall and hopefully Patty Ryder back. So it'll be very interesting to see how Tom Hickey handles the twins, the pair of them, instead of just Patty Ryder, like they did the first time where St. Kilda kind of lost the game more than Sydney won it. We go to go down to university of Tasmania stadium as two upset minded teams from previous week, Hawthorne face Collingwood. And this is the first time Collingwood is going to Tassie. Who do you got? Hawks pies. I'm going to go with Hawthorne here. I think that, I think the players are going to be, are going to be banding around Alistair Clarkson for these last couple of games. And I think that Collingwood have just, they, they've shown good good bits like they did last week against West Coast, but I think that their whole season has just been really, really poor. So I'm going to go with Hawthorne here. So I, I never thought I'd say this, but I've got Hawthorne, North, and Gold Coast all <laughs> in the same week to win. Uh, that is that is awesome. You are definitely going for the chaos theory. I don't know what it is, but maybe it's just the fact that we don't know how Collingwood's going to handle Utah's and the fact Hawthorne is very inconsistent. Even, even with all of the emotion and all that behind, I think they got lucky when they played a weakened team, but I don't know. Collingwood, I think, is playing much better footy. I'm going to tip the pies on this one. It's it's This is an odd pick for me because I am not really completely sure why I decided to pick the pies, but I just, I, I kind of, I'm feeling the pies a little bit more than I am with them. Brody Grundy, I think, is going to have an advantage over the young Reeves in the Rock, even if Ben McAvoy comes in. I think he's going to be a, a game changer. And I think the Pies young youth, I think, are starting to play better. So I'm going to tip the Pies in this one. We jumped to it. Last three games on Sunday. First one, Western Bulldogs, feet Essendon, Marvel Stadium. I'd love to tip Essendon on this one, but I just think the dogs are just a tiny bit too strong. But I'm, I'm giving Essendon a shot on this one. I think Essendon is going to stay in this game. Yeah, it's a shame because Essendon are, are playing really well right now. They're starting to get healthy but they're going to run into a buzzsaw Bulldogs team. And I think that they're going to cut Essendon up. And I, I think it's going to be a pretty decently sized win for the Western Bulldogs. I think that I think Essendon are going to be in for a bit of a shot going up against this Bulldogs team. We're playing very, very, very well right now. Yeah. Hard, hard to argue that the next two games, the next two games will both be hosted out in Optus stadium as the Frio Dockers host the hapless Brisbane lions. And I'm going Frio on this one. I, I like the way Frio played. Brisbane has been playing not very good footy. They've just been really inconsistent. Having to go from Tassie all the way out to Perth, I think is an incredibly long flight. I think they're going to be a little bit worn down. I have the Dockers keeping themselves in the eight. This is such a tough pick. Um, I'm going to go Brisbane here, but only because of the fact that, yes, they were able to win last week without Fife and Walters. But I think that the Brisbane Lions have a little bit more firepower than Richmond does at the moment. So I think that, yes, the, the travel is going to hamper them at the start. But I think that they're going to kick in in the second part of the game. I, I think that this is, this is a must-win game for Brisbane just for their confidence, really. Because they, they haven't been able to put teams away the way that they know that they can. I mean, the we all know that the quality is there in the Brisbane team. It's all just a matter of being able to get everything in the right spot at the right time. So I think that Brisbane are going to realize that. And I think they're going to go hard at this. And I think that Brisbane are going to eke out a win in a tough environment in Opus Stadium. And we get to it. Final game of the day sees the team that you just absolutely love to tip for or or even against as the West Coast Eagles host the mighty Melbourne Demons out in Optus Stadium. Who you got? Um, not West Coast. <laughs> going I the demons. Love it. We're, we're, we're going the demons here. I, I think that last week was a big performance for them. I think that they needed a win like that. I think that reminded them of just how good they are, like I was saying earlier. Um, and then yeah, I'm not picking West Coast. I'm just not. Even in Optus Stadium, I I, nope. I am I am I am with you. I am with you. I have the D's. I think the D's are just too strong. The the putrid performance against Collingwood, I think, is going to have lasting effects. In fact, I think there's a good possibility with this loss that West Coast could potentially see themselves falling out of the eight. Um, in the, by the end of next week, when they have a Western Derby against the Frio Dockers, who I think are playing much 
much better footy. And sir, that is going to end it for our tips. Nine incredibly crazy games in the AFL. And we've come to it, sir. Our favorite time of the podcast. We got to hear what is it? Brad's crazy stat of the week. Well, we're going to go ahead and get to it. I mean, it's been pretty crazy taking a look at a couple of these stats that have come up a little bit. But we're going to talk about a couple of Chicago Cubs players. We're going to talk about Chris Bryant, Anthony Rizzo, and Javier Baez, who are all incredible pillars of the 2016 World Series team, the drought-breaking Chicago Cubs World Champions team. They were all traded away. They were all traded away in a bit of a fire sale a la Collingwood Football Club, and they all homered. They all hit home runs in their debuts with their new teams, the Giants, the Yankees, and the Mets, respectively. And they are the first trio in the modern era of baseball to each hit a home run in their debut with a different team after playing on the same team earlier that season. That is absolutely insane. What an incredible stat. Can't get any more just absolutely insane as that, sir. And I think that is going to do it for our show today. Another fun chat, maybe a tiny bit shorter than we do sometimes, but you want to know what we've got some big things coming up. As we said, domestic football is coming up in Europe and you and I know it's getting closer week by week, college football here in the States is getting closer and closer. I know you've been seeing some of the media days. How excited are you that in, in just a few short weeks, we could be talking college football. Oh, it's going to be fantastic, Donnie. I've been waiting for it for a long time. And especially since Oklahoma is looking at a really good chance at potentially making the playoff and hopefully making the national championship game this season, I'm going to be really hoping for them to put in a great, great season this year behind Spencer Rattler, a quarterback, especially since I got to see them play their spring game earlier, earlier this spring. They're looking really, really good. And then, of course, our Iowa Hawkeyes, like we always love to talk about, it'll be interesting to see how Spencer Petrus gets on, how he gets into this season, how this team looks. And then all around college football is going to be very interesting to see how all the teams react to players leaving for the NFL, bringing new guys in, who is going to be the new stars, the new icons, who's going to win the Heisman, and who's going to end up getting into the college football playoff. I mean, that's what it's all about, and it's going to be really interesting seeing the race for the final four, and it'll be just incredible watching all these games go on in just a couple of weeks. Yep. Cannot wait for that. And so we have some previews for some stuff coming up really, really soon. Keep an eye on it. Thank you again so much for listening to our podcast. If you like what we're doing, please rate and subscribe. If you want to on social media, follow me on Instagram, on Facebook, and on Twitter as well. Always love hearing hearing um, hearing your feedback and different things like that. So I think that will do it. Brad, another awesome chat, sir. Thank you very much for having me on, Donnie. And hopefully by next week, we're going to have a lot of uh, new stuff to talk about in terms of the Champions League qualifying League's Cup, and we're going to have a lot more stuff to talk about in footy as we wind closer and closer toward the finals. Cannot wait for that, ladies and gentlemen. That is another episode of Coach Hess's Sports Corner, and we will see you again next week.